Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. How are you? Who's excited about Christmas? Fantastic. Who's got their big wish list in? BJ, our seven-year-old daughter, went to uh, see Santa this week. It was, it, was a, it was an unplanned trip, so I thought she went with a family friend and uh, they just found themselves you know, in front of Santa Claus and they got to sit on his lap. BJ wasn't going to have a bar of that. She stood next to him. Good girl. I taught her that. Don't sit on some strange man's lap, Any, especially with a dressed up... You don't want your kids sitting on a strange man's lap who's dressed up in a costume. You don't want that. So she would not sit on his lap. But funny enough, unbeknownst to me, he said, do you know what you want for Christmas? And she pulled out this list. She's been carrying a list around. <laughs> and so my friend took a photo and showed me this. got this wonderful MMS message come through. And she's reading out the list. It's funny that the look on Sandra's face was not as excited as the look on her face. She was like... <laughs> and he's like so there we go. I, I, I love Christmas time. I think it's a whole heap of fun. And uh, we spoke about that last Sunday night, about not letting Christmas make a turkey out of you. And uh, you can listen to that one in your own time. But because we are at Christmas time, I want to share something that is not necessarily new to us as Christians, but it's vitally important. Christmas is just around the corner. And this is something then we need to capitalise upon. Would that be fair to say? Christmas is just around the corner. And for us and the Christian message, we need to capitalise upon it. And the reason I say that is because of two incredibly important statistics. I want to highlight two very important statistics to set up what I want to share with you today. Statistic number one is this, that most people who have a healthy relationship with Christ came through a relative and or family member. In actual fact, there's a survey here, which I have written in front of me, and it says 1.2% of people come because of a social need, 2.3% of people come in through a walk-in, 5.6% become because of the imitation of a pastor, 4.5% of people come through Sunday school, only 1% of people come through an evangelistic crusade, 2.3% of people come through church programs, but an incredible 75 to 90% of people come through a family member, a friend or relative. If I was to ask you what brought you to church, what brought you to Christ, many of us would say it's because of a relative or a family member. Would that be fair to say? I know that is certainly true for me. It's certainly true for my wife. It's certainly true for our kids. It's because of the relationships we keep that have led many of us to this place that we find ourselves sitting in a church pew all around the world. So that's statistic number one, that most people who have a healthy relationship with Christ came through a family member or friend. The second statistic is this, that people are more inclined to visit church at Christmas time. So you've got responsibility plus opportunity equals action. 
And so our responsibility as Christians to reach our family and friends based upon statistic number one, coupled with statistic number two, our opportunity that we have at Christmas time should equal one thing, action on our part. Does that make sense? So we've got these two incredible statistics. And if you add those two together, that we have something to do right now at this Christmas time. And so my title of my message is simply this, the invitation combination. The invitation combination. Much of what I share today will not be new to you, but hopefully it will be revelation to you. Because sometimes we just forget what we already know. Sometimes we get so immune to what we know that we find ourselves not doing what we know we should be doing. And so the title of my message is The Invitation Combination. And I want to read from Luke chapter 14, verses 16 to 23. Jesus was great at telling stories. And this is one of those occasions. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet. Say great banquet. And he invited many guests. At that time, the banquet he sent his servants to tell all those who had been invited. Say invited. invited. Come for everything is ready. I mean, this is not a trip to the dentist, people. This is a great banquet. This is not a visit to the doctor. This is not school. This is a great banquet and many people have been invited and the time is now come for everything is ready. But, there's a big but here. No one likes a big but, especially the women. You look in the mirror, every day you women go, no one likes a big but. But they all began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. The other said, I've just bought five oxen. And I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married. So I can't come. I don't know what's implying there. I would say get another wife. I mean, if your wife's not going to let, or your husband, whatever, I can't come. I'm married. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry. And he ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys and the towns and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that they, my house may be full. I tell you that not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. I want to quickly highlight some things out of this story this morning. This is a great banquet. As I've already mentioned, this is, this, is, this is a good thing. This is not a visit to the dentist. This is, we're not talking about school. We're not talking about university here. We're not talking about doctors. We're talking about an opportunity to eat food. And it says that many were invited. Say invited. Many were invited, but one by one, they began to make excuses. And this was a time to move to another level. The, 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 the man who invited everyone came back to the master and said, look, they're making excuses And so the master said, it's time to go to another level because there's one thing we're not going to do. We ain't cancelling the banquet. 
God is not going to cancel His plans because the church doesn't want to get involved. That is not on the agenda. The master in this story does not put that on the agenda. This banquet is going to happen with or without you. One thing we're not going to do is cancel it. So what I suggest is that we take our invitation to another level. And so he says, stop inviting them. How about now you go out and get them and bring them in? The first level was invitation, invite them. The second part of the scenario is now I want you to bring them. If they're not going to come by way of invitation, I want you to go out there and get them and bring them. Everyone say, bring them. In other words, he goes wider. He asks them to move more quickly. He says, go into the country towns. In other words, you may need to go further than you were prepared to go before. You know, you, you might have invited your family and friends and they may have said no. He said, okay, well, go beyond your family and friends. Go wider, move quicker. Christmas is just around the corner. We need to move quickly, church. And we may need to go a little bit wider than we are used to going. He says, compel them and bring them into my house. Here's the interesting thing about this little story. The strategy changes, but the people he's asking does not change. So the very same people that invited were the very same people he asked to bring them in. The strategy has changed, but the people he's wanting to use have not changed. And so within the heart of every inviter is a bringer. And so we may need to move from invitation to bringing people this Christmas. We need to move from being inviters to bringers. Don't get me wrong, invitations have their place. On every seat this morning, there was an invitation. It was not a bookmark, it's an invitation. It's not toilet paper, it's, it's not a doorstop, it, it, it's an invitation. It's not decoration, it's not for you. It's for you to place in the hand of a family member or a friend. It's an invitation and there is a place for invitations. Don't get me wrong. There is definitely a place for invitation. However, invitation often is not enough. We need to go further. We need to go to the next level. No farmer just invites the harvest in. Come on, lovely harvest, come on in. I mean, we, we would love that. You know, every farmer would love that because it's easier. You know, I, I, I am convinced we love praying as Christians because we're lazy. It's much easier to pray that people would come in than actually go and get them. Can you imagine the farmer just praying that the harvest would come in and meanwhile his crops are growing and they're growing. He says, oh Lord, bring them in. He says, no, 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 that's your job. You've got to go out there and get it. You've got to harvest it. You've got to bring it in. No fisherman invites fish into the boat. If you invite fish into the boat, they ain't coming. You're going to go and get them. I mean, you can stay over the side of the boat. Here, fishy, wishy, wishy. Here, fishy, fishy. Come on, fishy. Come on. You can do that all you like. And I feel like that's some of our prayers are like that. Oh, come on, God. Just bring them in, Lord. Bring them. I mean, he's not listening. Not only do... Yeah, come on. Not only do the people we're inviting not understand us, but not even God gets that. What are they doing? No, if you want fish, you've got to go get them. You've got to go out and get them. 
I've known fishermen that have their fish on their line and gets off and they just jump in half. They want that fish. They're going to go get that thing. They're not going to have the one that got away. No one likes the one that got away. This is what happens for the fishermen of the one that got away. No one believes them. You know, oh, I had one that was like, how big was it? It was big, but it got away. And we're like that in the church. I invited all these people. Really? All these people you invited, no one's coming. We might need to change our strategy. We might need to go to a whole nother level. And the great thing about what I'm saying today, this is not just a one-off thought that Jesus told in story. This was the reality. This is a reoccurring theme in the Gospels. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 24, it says, News about Jesus spread all over Syria, and the people brought to Him all that were ill. They didn't invite, they went out and bought those ones that were ill with various diseases, those that were suffering in severe pain and demon-possessed and having seizures and paralysed, and He healed them all. Jesus had the incredible opportunity to heal people. Why? Because they were bought to Him. In Mark, sorry, Matthew chapter 8, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to Him and He drove out those spirits. In other words, some of the people that we're inviting are incapable of coming. You imagine the paralytic man, you imagine the demon-possessed person saying, why don't you come and see Jesus? And, you know, he just is incapable of being able to get there. He needs help. You need to bring him. Some of the people that we're inviting are incapable of coming. Maybe your friends aren't demon-possessed. Maybe some are. <laughs> but maybe they're just emotionally oppressed and depressed. There's 3,000 people who are going to be put out of work in the next three years. And I don't know that every one of those 3,000 people is going to say, oh, well, I'll get another job. I, I think we've got incredible days ahead of us. And I think some people are going to be so oppressed and depressed that they're not going to be able to get in the car and drive themselves. They just don't have it in them. We've got to go get them. That's what Jesus is suggesting here. Got to help. Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, your sins are forgiven. I love this picture. Four men, one on each corner of the stretcher, carrying one man. That says to me, sometimes we need help in bringing people to Jesus. Sometimes you alone are not going to do it by yourself. Sometimes we've got to work together. I met some men at the bloke for the very first time. And I said to the men who bought them, I said, man, get me in their world. We had a great moment with them. I enjoyed meeting them, but have a barbecue and get me in on their world. We need to capitalise upon this moment. It's not just enough. We need to work together. Because not one person has the revelation that is required. And so these four men, they picked this man up. When's the last time you picked someone up for church? And they carried him to Jesus. It's an awesome thought. Luke chapter 18, verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked, what is happening? They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. You've got to get this. And he ordered the man to be brought to him. If you're going to be a bringer, you've got to learn to stop. 
Jesus stopped and said, bring the man to me. He didn't say, give him a nice little flyer and invite him to come. He said, no, just bring him over here. It's another level of invitation. That's what bringing is. John chapter 1, verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John had said about Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. The man on whom the church was built, Peter, that rock, that apostle, was bought by a man we don't know anything about. What I love about this is that God is using Andrews to bring people to Jesus. And what I love about Andrew is Andrew is Mr. Ordinary. God is wanting to use Mr. and Mrs. Ordinary to bring people to Jesus this Christmas. Amen? We don't know much about Andrew. We don't see Andrew doing great things. It's Peter and it's James and it's John. We read about Judas betraying, but we don't read much about Andrew. Andrew is Mr. Average. He represents you. He represents me. And yet he brought one of the most influential people to Jesus. This is our mandate. This is our privilege. This is our honour. And so in the short time that I have left, I want to look at 10 things, 10 benefits of being a bringer. 10. Are you ready? Number one. Bringing shifts the initiative from them to us. When you invite someone, you leave the initiative with them. But when you offer to bring them, you bring the initiative to us. And that's where it's meant to be. The initiative is meant to be with the Christian, not the non-Christian. I'll tell you why. Because the devil focuses where the initiative lies. You know when you invite someone to church and they said they were coming? And they didn't get there. And you say, where were you? And they said, oh, my car broke down. My kids got sick. Me and my husband had the biggest domestic argument we've ever had before. What is that? How how many know what I'm on about? How many have ever had that happen of someone you've invited? Because the initiative is is with those that have been invited, that's where the devil gives his time and attention to stop the initiative. But when you become a bringer, say, I'll pick you up. I'll come and get you. The initiative is with us, and so we are the ones who are targeted. We are the ones who have car trouble now. We are the ones who have sick kids now. And we are the ones who have the domestics. Sometimes Kathy and I have some of the arguments. We don't even know what it is. It's over nothing. Have you ever had an argument with your wife and you're something? I don't even know what we're arguing about. It's me. See, Christ never came that we'd have a convenient life or a comfortable life, but a purpose-filled life. And the initiative is meant to be with us. If someone's car is going to be broken, it should be the Christian because we understand what that is. Why should we leave that with the very person who doesn't understand what we understand? And so being a, being a bringer shifts the initiative from them to us. Number two, bringing removes all excuses not to come. Because I'd love to come. I just don't know where it is. I'd love to come. I don't know what to wear. I'd love to come. I just wouldn't know where to park. I mean, people use some of the weirdest excuses. I'd love to come, but I'm married. 
I'd love to come, but I've got to go buy my oxen. Now, we don't have oxen to buy. I don't know. Anyone here buy an oxen recently? Anybody? Bueller? No, no we, we, we don't buy oxen, but we do buy new cars. This was, this, was, this, was, this was like a work truck. An oxen was like a work truck. I just, I just bought a new van for work, and I've just got to check it out. That's what he's saying. People use some of the weirdest excuses, but being a bringer stops the excuses. Bringing makes it easier for people to come because you don't have to worry where to park. I'll park it for you. We can show them where the entrance is. We can show them where the toilets are. I mean, these, these, seriously, because we have been to this building so many times, we, we don't worry about those things because we know, we feel very familiar with this place. But I would encourage you, in your holidays, go somewhere where you've never been before, within the realm of reason. Make sure it's a, a decent place, not just anywhere. But seriously, when you go to a place you've never been before, and you don't know where the toilets are, and most people don't say, hey, where are the toilets? Some people are happy to ask that question. Many people are not. Many people would rather walk around a restaurant looking for the toilet as opposed to embarrassing themselves to ask where it is. So being a bringer removes all the excuses for people to come. When you've got someone next to you that you've bought, you can explain to them the things they don't understand as the service is taking place. Number three, bringing separates the sincere people from the insincere people. In other words, you'll know those that are genuine and those that are just stringing you along. I'm convinced some people say they'll come just to shut you up. I've had friends that, oh, I'm coming. And, and you kid yourself, oh, they're coming. They said they'd come. I've learned this. People who say they're coming don't mean that they're coming. It just means they didn't want to do to get lost. People will say anything to get rid of you. Do you know that? They'll even say, yes, I'll come to church. As long as you leave right now and leave me alone, I'll come to church. Which means they're not coming to church. And we kid ourselves year after year after year after year. They go, oh, they're going to come this year. This is the year. This is the year they're going to come. They're going to come. They've told me they're going to come. They wouldn't lie to me, would they? Yes, they would. They would lie to you. As they have lied to me. But being a bringer separates those that are sincere versus those that are not. When someone says, yes, I'll come. So have, great. Well, I'll pick you up. Oh, well, no, I, I, I just, uh, I, I'm keen. I'm just not that keen. You realize they weren't that sincere. But when someone says, I'll, I'll come, and you say, I'll pick you up, it's like, really? you'd pick me up. Oh, that'd be great. That would really help me out. You think, wow, this person's actually genuine. They actually mean it. It separates the sincere from the insincere. What I would say to you is it encourages you to look for the hunger. I say this all the time. Look for the hunger. Stop wasting your time inviting the same full people. People are so full of their own agendas, full of their own life, full of their own importance. That's why people began to make a mistake, uh, excuses. I'm married. I'm full. I don't need this anymore. I've got a new truck. I don't need that anymore. So full of their own well-being. So full of their own self-importance. And when Jesus told that parable that we read earlier, he said, okay, we'll go for the broken people. Go for the empty people. We need some emptiness. You can't fill a full person. You know when you're hungry, there's nothing better than food. And when you're full, there's nothing worse than food. You can't help a person that's so full of themselves and so full of everything else 
other than what we are offering. So look for the hunger. Number four, bringing protects from cancellation. People are less likely to cancel on you if they know you're picking them up. Number five, bringing makes it more comfortable for them to come. As I've already mentioned before, what is familiar to us is very unfamiliar to our family and friends who have not yet been to this place. We know where the toilets are, they don't. We know where to sit, they don't. We know where to go, they don't. But when you bring them, every step you take is with them and you can help them and by virtue of you being there with them, they feel more like they fit in. And everyone wants to fit in. It is daunting going to a new place for the first time. Let us never forget that church. We love church because we know church, but no one loves what they don't know. They're very cynical and very skeptical. And don't judge them for that because so are you and so am I when it comes to things we don't know. And so when you bring people, it helps them and makes them feel more comfortable. Number six, bringing says, you're far too important than just an invite. When you offer to bring someone, you're saying you're more important than just a flyer. You're, in more, you're more important than just a letterbox drop. You're in more important than just an Instagram post. I'm prepared to get in my car and I'm prepared to pick you up. You mean that much to me. When you are willing to be a bringer and not just an inviter, you are saying you are more important than just getting an invitation. Number seven, bringing creates immediate follow-up. This is brilliant. When you bring someone, that means you're going to be the one to take them home, which is immediate follow-up. And when you're driving them home, it's an incredible safe place for them to talk about the church service, what they liked, what they didn't like, what they understood, and what they didn't understand. And if you're visiting for the first time here today, understand this, that you not understanding things, we're really comfortable with that. You asking questions about what you don't understand, we are so happy for that. We, we willingly invite that. Because you don't know what you don't know. And when you're a bringer, those that you are bringing get instant follow-up because they get you on the drive home. And say, well, why did that guy preach so long? He's like, actually, you know what? I've been coming to this church a long time and I still don't know the answer to that question. Why was he wearing no socks? That's another question. I just, I don't know. I don't know when Jesus is coming back and I don't know why he was wearing no socks. I don't know. <laughs> Number eight, you didn't think I'd do it. Number eight already. Bringing doubles your joy. You see, there's an initial joy upon your first experience that you get personally. 
I think back to my first time in church and I, and I think back to my first time giving my life to Christ, those incredible moments of joy that I have in my relationship with Christ being developed for the first time, that joy. I get that for me and being a bringer, I get a second joy because I get to see them experience what I experienced many years ago. It's a double joy quota when we are a bringer. It's like when you find a great restaurant, you have the joy of that restaurant for the first time. Oh man, the food was incredible. And what do you want to do? You want to be an evangelist? See, we get so, we get so weirded out by Christian words. Oh, we don't want to use the word evangelist. We don't want to use the word evangelism. But people evangelise for all sorts of things. You watch the television today, you turn on, every advert is an evangelist saying, you've got to come to McDonald's. The other says, no, you've got to come to Hungry Jack's. The burgers are better at Hungry They're evangelising for their company. And they're doing it unashamedly. They're not sucking their thumb. They're not being backward. They are being front-footed saying, our burgers are better than any other burgers. What are they saying? They're saying this, subliminally, they're saying, our burgers are better than McDonald's. That's what they're saying. Which is true, by the way. (laughs) But, But we had friends take us to a restaurant, a weird restaurant, a restaurant I would never have gone to before. One of those kind of crazy ones. I'm, I'm kind of like a, a steak guy, but, but they're sitting there, they're laughing at me. And then they took us to this weird place, like, you know, where you eat testicles and you eat this and you eat that. And it's like, it's like weird stuff. It's like, what, what are we eating? Why is it hairy? What's going on? What are we, what is, they said, no, you've got to try it, you've got to try it. They, the only reason I was there because they evangelized me. And I was intrigued. And you know what? I enjoyed it. I would definitely go back there. You want to know where it is now. That's my point. That's my point. My, my daughter, Jordan, she's right into the Hunger Games. She's all things Hunger Games. She's read the books and, and now she's seen the movie. She can't wait for number three to come out. She saw number two recently for the first time. She went back a second time. And we have not, she has not stopped talking about the Hunger Games. She's the evangelist for the Hunger Games. Oh, Dad, you've got to go see the Hunger Games. It's great. Have you seen it yet? Every day. Have you seen it? Kath and I went to the, see the Hunger Games on Tuesday night just to shut her up. <laughs> and being the little bringer that she is, she said, I'll go with you. I'll take you. I said, no, me and Mum want a date. You're not coming with us. You stay. <laughs> She's a little evangelist for the Hunger Games. Why, you know, it does my head in that, that uh, when it comes to inviting your friends to church, to be a bringer and getting your friends to church, we, oh, we don't want to get religious. We don't want to scare people off. You scare people all the time. <laughs> With your eat testicles, this, see this movie, that. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And we just do it unapologetically. Now weigh up those two things, those two examples with Jesus Christ. He came and He laid down His life for you and I. I mean, is there any greater story than that? I mean, come on, really. And yes, I did enjoy the movie. Number nine, bringers know something that others don't. You think back to your first day of school, no one was invited to go to school. You were told you're going to school. And the reason is because those that are older and wiser than you know something you don't, that you need a good education. You need to learn some things. And you need to learn some things that I can't teach you. And so you need to go to this place to get what you need. It's the same with the dentist. It's the same 
with the doctor. I mean, it, it, honestly, if we were so just invited... I mean, let, let's be honest, Kath used to work in a dental industry and, and, and she knows, you know, people, they'd put out the invitations every, every six months, come to the dentist, it's your daily checkup. And this is what we do with those checkups. Like, yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> the only time we go is when we've got a toothache. And as a dental nurse, she'll tell you the story. She used to love that because she said, well, you should have come six months ago. <laughs> Just like... That's why dentists are such angry people because we're ignoring them all the time. <laughs> but bringers do, they, they, they know something that you don't. And so they're passionate about getting you to that particular thing because it's for your good. And, and, and if, if we have the light of the world, the hope of the world, and somebody doesn't know that, it's worth going out of our way. It's worth going a little bit further. It's worth going beyond our realm of comfort to give people what they need but don't know they need it just yet. Which brings me to number 10, and that is bringing focuses our faith. If we could have our musicians come, that'd be great. Bringing focuses our faith. You know, I, I love growing in my knowledge and understanding of who Jesus Christ is. I love listening to podcasts and I love listening to teachers and preachers expound on the Word of God so that my understanding of who God is grows. But you know what? After a period of time, we can be so encouraged with what we know that the goal becomes about knowing more and not doing anything. And the thing I love about being a bringer is it focuses the attention where it needs to be. And at the end of the day, the attention needs to be on people. If this was just about us getting to know God, then the moment we got saved, He might as well have taken us to heaven because we're not going to know any more than when we stand before Him. He has left us here for a purpose, on purpose. And that is to help precious people. In this church, we believe that we exist to connect people, precious people, to God, to His church, and to their purpose. That's not going to happen by osmosis. That's not going to happen by prayer alone. God, we have a desire to see people come to you, come to church, Fulfill their purpose. That's not going to happen just by prayer. Getting out there amongst the people, bringing people, focuses our faith. I, I don't know anyone who's moved church. I don't know anyone who's given up on God that's brought someone to Jesus recently. But I know a lot of people to get bored. A lot of people to get unsettled. A lot of people feel that they just need to move and do something new because they've lost their purpose of their existence. And being a bringer helps center us on what matters most. Gone are the days. And I think this is where the church got it wrong back in the day. Where you could only come to church if your behavior was a certain way. 
In other words, if you wanted to come to church, you had to deal with some things before you came to church. You had to get your hair cut and you had to stop swearing and stop smoking because God hates all that stuff. And so we, we looked at behavior first. And, and we got it back to front. And so if your behavior changes, then you can believe. And then when you believe, then you can be part of this church and, and, and belong. I, I just don't see that in the scriptures. I see the exact opposite. I see Jesus grabbing a bunch of guys that don't get it, and yet he allows them to belong. And in belonging, they get to know him more, and they have a revelation. They start believing. Wow, this is the Christ. This is the one that they've been prophesying about. And as a result of that revelation, their behavior began to change. And so it's belonging, believing, and then behaving, not the other way around. But before any belonging, believing, and behaving can happen, we have to be those that are bringing. So it actually starts with us bringing. How can they belong if they haven't been bought? How can they belong if they're not here? How can they belong if they haven't heard or seen? It actually starts with us. The initiative's with us. That's the example God left with us. For God so loved the world that he sent. Jesus so loved the world that he went. The initiative's always with the Christian. It's not to be backfooted and say, come. It's for us to go and get. If I go back to my fisherman story, it's going to be a long day for you in that boat if you don't throw out your line and go get the fish. You can pray them in. You can coochie-coo them in but they ain't coming. No sane fish out there is going to jump in your boat. And no sane person out there, statistically, is just going to walk into church. A very small percentage will. But the biggest percentage are those that have family members and friends enough to love them and will bring them. That's why I'm here. That's why many of you are here. This statistic is true, not just for this age, but in the days of Scripture. It's not just true for Australia, it's true around the world. Because it's a principle of God that the Christian has the initiative and must exercise it. We see that on the night Jesus was betrayed. He took the initiative. He went to the garden. He went to the cross. He gave his life. Jesus was the one always initiating. That's his example to us. And as our attendants come, we're going to break bread together very quickly. But I trust meaningfully. Jesus didn't wait for us. The Bible says it this way, that while we were still sinners... What does that mean? While we were sleeping around, while we were blaspheming, while we were swearing, while we were doing drugs, while we were getting drunk, while we were doing all those things that is common to humanity, Jesus laid down his life. And that's why I am so grateful for the one who we are here today representing and worshipping. This is not just a church service for me, and it should not just be a church service for you. 
this is an opportunity for us to gather together in awe and wonder of the one who initiated a plan of salvation, redemption for humanity once and for all. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 